Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm reading from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 26. Several weeks ago, about three weeks ago now, wasn't anything particularly wonderful happening in the service but I felt a joy come over me it was odd in fact I text one of my minister friends about it because it was so unusual I just felt a joy that something had happened in the heavenlies since that time I don't know how else to describe it but I felt a spiritual static in the air Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is moving in the heavenly places. We don't always know exactly what God's doing and when and what's going on, but there are times where the Lord just lets you feel just a little touch. Something is going on in the heavenly places. I feel like there has been a turn in the tide, and God is getting ready to do something wonderful something wonderful Mark chapter 4 and verse 26 and he said so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast a seed into the ground you know what you, I want you to pay attention so be seated I don't want you thinking about how tired you are do you guys how important the statement is Jesus is telling us what heaven and the spirit realm is like Whenever he says, so as it were in heaven or the kingdom of God is like unto or or so is the kingdom of God. You better pay attention because God is revealing something of profound importance. This is what it's like in the heavenly places. As if a man cast a seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring up and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Notice something, how the harvest came. It came because someone planted a seed. Verse 30, and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, there's someone taking the time to plant such a little seed. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. 2 Corinthians 
chapter 9 and verse 6. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. If you sow little, you reap little. And he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You sow a little, you get a little. You sow a lot, you get a lot. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed, we've got to understand what he's talking about. The seed is the word of God. That's what he's talking about sowing. That's what Paul was talking about sowing. The seed is the word of God. One last verse. It's John chapter 4 and verse 3. He left Judea, that's talking of Jesus, and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs pass through Samaria. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, seeing the harvest in the one. Seeing the harvest in the one. Will you lift your hands and your voices with me right now? Jesus, oh Lord, speak to us. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. bag of seed corn you know we often think about harvest revival reaching the world whatever you want to call it we think about it in as one big moment or service that will transpire now I'm going to qualify some things the verse that's been in my heart that I've been talking to you about that I've been talking everywhere I go about is Joel chapter 2 and verse 23 that he had given us the former rain moderately, but he's going to give us in the first month the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain, all at the same time. And that verse in 2.23 is a setup for verse, the next few verses that come that Peter quoted on the day of Pentecost. In Joel 2.28, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I believe in great moves of God. And we have had powerful services right here where dozens that were filled with the Holy Ghost in just a few moments' time. And we'll have more of those. In fact, next year, Brother Mark Dross is going to be here twice. He's coming in February and again in November. And then this December, the week before Christmas, David Smith is coming back. And then he's coming again in July. I feel like the Lord has given me a clear map for the next year. I believe in those great moments with God. I believe in harvest. I believe that God is going to pour out his spirit around the world more in the next few years than he has ever done so before. In fact, written in my Bible is a list of things that I told the Lord I want to see before I leave this world. And it says right in there, I want to see 1,000 receive the Holy Ghost in one service, and I want to see 3,000 receive the Holy Ghost in one service. 
But for all of that big stuff, all of that wonderful stuff, there is a very simple truth that you and I must understand if we're going to see the big stuff. And that is the simple principle that if you want to see the harvest, you've got to see it in the one. You've got to see it in the individual seed that's planted. The great harvest that God has promised is going to come to people who are willing to sow individual seeds. Jesus is heading back to Galilee, his home, his base, his center of his ministry. He comes back and forth to Jerusalem, but Galilee is his home. And when he's headed there, the shortest route would be to go through Samaria, but Jews seldom did so because Jews and Samaritans hated one another. They were a mixed race. They were only half Jewish. The Jews hated them because they were only half Jewish. The rest of the world hated them because they were half Jewish. There was bad blood. And so tradition says that Jews to avoid passing through Samaria would cross the Jordan and go around another way. But Jesus told the 12, I need to go through Samaria. Jesus needed to go through Samaria, not out of geographic necessity, but because there was a single person there that he wanted to minister to. Jesus comes to Sychar. He's fasting. He tells the 12, they're hungry, go on into town. You go on in. I'm going to stay here. And he sits down at the well of Jacob. He sits down, leans his back against the stones. I imagine he sat on the shady side of it. It's high noon. It's peak heat of the day. And there Jesus sits waiting for an appointment that the other party doesn't know is scheduled. But he's God. And he waits. And after a while, he can see the abnormally tall shadow of his appointment walking closer. At first, it looks like a basketball player. How can the shadow be that tall? But as it grows closer, you recognize the movements are not that of a man, but it's a woman. And it's a woman carrying a pot on her head. She gets closer and closer. And on the other end, while Jesus is anticipating this moment that he no doubt has known from the very first star he hung in the sky would happen. While Jesus patiently awaits this moment that will affect so many lives on the other end, you can feel the dread of the woman. She didn't come here at this time of the day on accident. You don't draw water in the heat of the day. You draw water early in the morning or late in the night when it's cool. She wasn't carrying a plastic five-gallon bucket, you know. 
That was a clay pot. Water's heavy. And she gets closer and realizes the shadow of the well doesn't look right. And her heart sinks. She realizes somebody's there. Do you ever just wish you wouldn't bump into somebody? Come on, have you gone to Walmart looking like a Walmart shopper and just hoped you didn't bump into somebody? You know you're going to do it, don't you? <laughs> this is far worse than being embarrassed about what you're wearing. You see, she comes at this time of the day because she can't take the comments. She can't take the dirty looks, the whispers, the pointing. And in that ancient culture, who knows, they may have just chucked rocks at her. She comes at this time of day so that she can be left alone. And when she gets closer, her heart sinks further still as she realizes it's not anybody sitting there, but this is a Jewish rabbi. She's thinking, don't talk to me, 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 don't talk to me. You ever done that too? Passing somebody, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. Hi! Oh, I was hoping you'd say hi. <laughs> the anger must have been really building up in her. Because when she gets close, Jesus said, Would you give me something to drink? And she snaps. How dare you ask me for something to drink? We both know that Jews don't talk to Samaritans. And you wouldn't be talking to me unless I could do something for you. Jesus said, well, if you'd asked me to give you something to drink, I would have. She said, you don't even have a bucket. The well's deep. Jacob dug it. You better than Jacob? Jacob had to use a bucket. He said, oh, no. Water I'd give you be springing up into you into everlasting life. You'd never be thirsty again. And all of a sudden, she gets real carnal. She thinks, boy, I wouldn't have to draw. I wouldn't have to see those people, hear those comments. Give me that water so I don't have to come back here anymore. He said, all right. All right, I'll do that. Just go get your husband. And she starts him hawing around and, well, I, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, that, that's true. You had five so far. This fellow you're not married to. Now, people say that she changed the subject. I don't know because it seems like there was some real hunger there. She said, I perceived there's something different about you. Tell me. Who's right? Your ancestors are mine because mine say we have to worship here in Samaria. But yours say Jerusalem's the place to worship. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, there's a day coming when the real worshipers, they're not going to worship here or there, but they're going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And she says something wonderful. She said, when Messiah comes... When Messiah comes, do you know what that means? That means she was looking for him. She was thinking about him. She was hoping for him. When Messiah comes, he's going to tell us everything. 
And Jesus looks at her. And this is what one of the most astonishing things I've found in the entire New Testament. Because Jesus stood before the power of Rome and would not answer the question. Jesus stood before the religious leaders of his own people and would not answer the question. But here to this woman whose life was such a mess, both past and present, she is so deep in damaged by sin and Jesus looks at her and gives a revelation and said I am the Messiah it's me it's me it's me what a moment what an appointment what God had set in that place do you realize Jesus does nothing by accident. Everything is for a very specific purpose. He was only here for 33 and a half years. Only the last three and a half of it are even recorded for our benefit. And even out of that, we don't get all the events. So everything that's recorded about Jesus' deeds is of the utmost importance for us to pay attention to. Jesus set a private appointment with this woman at the well. Reveals himself as the Messiah to her. And do you know what she does? She jumps up and runs into the town and starts yelling, Everybody come meet the man who told me everything I've ever done. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. Everybody, listen. The Messiah's here. It's Jesus. Why her? Why there? Why the heat of the day? Why did God set it up this way? We find the answer in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts in verse 5. This is what it said. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with all one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out. And many that were, uh, many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city why did Jesus go in John 4 he went in John 4 to plant a seed that would be harvested in Acts chapter 8 we see a singular event but God sees a harvest we see one damaged person but God sees an entire city We've got to learn that if we want to see harvest, we can't look for it in the giant world as if some big hole coming in. But we've got to look at it in its original state and where it's going to come from. It's going to come from people loving someone enough to plant a seed. There was great harvest in Samaria. Lives were changed. Families were changed. And it all started with a single seed being planted. 
It all started with Jesus talking to the woman at the well. It's no wonder that when his apostles came back, he looked at them and began to explain. He said, stop looking for a harvest off in the distance. Open your eyes. The fields are white. They're ripe. And they're ready to harvest right now. Jesus, what you doing talking to this woman? Look around. It's the harvest. He was trying to get them to see the harvest in the one. It happened again this way again and again throughout the scripture. It happened with Cornelius and his whole household. It happened with the jailer, jailer in Philippi and his whole household. And you want to take it further still? It happened with Andrew. Because Andrew found Jesus, and Andrew went to his brother. And he won his brother Peter. And Peter preached on Pentecost. How did Pentecost happen? Andrew planted a seed. You know the amazing thing about seed? I saved it for 10 years for Brother Bess's funeral. No exaggeration. 10 long years, I saved it. <laughs> Couldn't you remember where I got it? After I preached a funeral, Sister Cowgill brought it to me. I'd seen it at their house. It was a little apple hung on the door. Said anybody can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. That's the amazing thing about a seed. You think you're witnessing to one person, but you know that one ear of corn when it grows, it's not going to, that's not even an ear, it's, not, it's a kernel. That one kernel of corn, when I plant it, isn't going to grow into one kernel of corn. It's going to grow, and this is fancy seed, it's going to grow and it's going to have many ears, each ear with hundreds and hundreds of kernels upon it. Each seed replicates itself a million times over and over and over and over again. Only God knows what this one seed can do. Only God knows what that one Bible study can affect. Only God knows what that one prayer at work can do. Only God knows what that one Bible study, that one opening the word, one open your heart, that one testimony. Only God knows. You see, we look at it so small. We say, oh, what's the big deal? Someone else will bring them to church. Someone else will talk to them. But you don't understand what that one seed can do. You don't understand the effect that it can have. I look around this room and it's filled with strange people. And I, I don't make that ironically. It really is filled with strange people. Relations. Do you know how it happened? Foxes, the cowgills, strangers. People in churches, I met a relative I didn't even know I had. And turned to find out a missionary I went to school with I was a relative of and had no idea. And it all comes back to the same thing. Someone brought Bonnie Fox, who needed a miracle, to an apostolic camp meeting. Just a little seed. Just a little seed. Just one little girl. Not that important. Sunday school teachers hear me. Just one little girl. 
glass eye is not the worst thing that could happen to you. You see, Bonnie's eye was dead. It was white. The doctors were fixing to cut it out. But someone brought Bonnie to church. And Jesus healed that eye. Meanwhile, our bishop was sitting in a jail cell. And a minister come through and started handing out Bibles as our bishop was waiting to see what kind of charges, maybe even manslaughter would be brought against him. And a, a, a minister didn't even know the full truth came through handing Bibles and he planted a little seed. Repented at an interdenominational church. But guess what? Bonnie's seed had started to grow. Bonnie's seed started to grow. And they told our bishop and his mom, Edith, and guess what? They came, and the brothers came, and the cousins came, and the uncles, and the aunts came. And here we are four generations later, and that seed is still replicating. It's still growing. It's still multiplying. You need to understand, if you want to see harvest, you got to see it in the one. You got to see it in the one. In the one. In the one. Oh, God, I wish I could preach this the way I feel it in my spirit. Uh, it's too much because if we could understand, it's never just the seed. It's never just the one. The seed replicates and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. You see, we think of these big moments. And we do mailers to get people to know about us and they serve their purpose. But we think that we can chuck it out. Easy. And that's going to be a harvest. Do you know what would happen if I took this bag of seed and chucked it out in the best cornfield, best corn land in all of Ohio? probably growing around Buckeye Lake. <laughs> I could take it to the best field with the darkest, richest soil. Chuck it out in the middle of it. Just leave that bag. You know what would happen? Probably nothing that year, but maybe the next year the bag would decompose enough that one or two, maybe three stalks of corn will come out of it. But those won't even be healthy and probably won't grow to maturity. But you threw so much, it was so big. But harvest doesn't work that way. Harvest doesn't work like that. Harvest works with people. And until the last hundred years, people by hand taking the seed Planting one, playing another one, playing another one, playing another one. Just row after row, just constantly, consistently dropping the seed, dropping the seed, dropping the seed. See, it seems like I'm only planting one, but one at a time, one after another, one after another, one after another. I'm planting a harvest that's going to come in the future. 
I'm planting. Oh, it's just a kernel. No, it's not a kernel. I'm planting a harvest. I'm planting a harvest. I'm planting a harvest. You see, that's what happens when you are open and you have a burden for the lost. You might feel like you're not doing much, but every time you talk to somebody about Jesus, you're planting a seed. Every time you teach a Bible study, you're planting a seed. Every time you pray for someone when they're sick or they're hurting, you're planting a seed. Every time you say, don't wait, don't stay. You say, well, can you have your church pray? Here's an idea. And I'm going to offend everybody. So just brace and say, okay, I'm ready to be offended. You know what? Prayer requests are very ineffective. The most effective thing you can do when someone wants prayer is to pray for them. Right then, right there. If you can touch them, touch them. If you can't, pray for them on the phone. Pray for them right there. The prayer request is a bag mentality. It's a bag mentality. And it works, you know, it's different when we're talking. There's someone amongst us that we know and we can all join together and pray. That's different. But when we say, well, I'll have the church pray. You know what that is? It's a bag mentality. A bag mentality is not going to do anything. But when you say, let me pray for you right now, you plant a seed. You say, but I'm not a minister. Who cares? These signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? These signs shall follow them that believe. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Knock on the door. Call them on the phone. Send the text message. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. You want to see a great harvest? I know you do. You want to see families change? I know you do. It's my passion. It's my heartbeat. But how we're going to get it when these great services, when great men of God come, is that some individual has been talking to another individual. Someone has been witnessing. Someone has been praying. Someone has been planting the seed. That's where the harvest is. The harvest is in the one. I don't want to brag, but it's a really cool sermon today. Even if it is distracting everybody. You see, this is the revival God wants for his church worldwide. This is what God wants to do worldwide, including Massillon, Ohio. But Billy Cole, a modern-day apostle, said something so profound. You can run a combine down a beach, and you won't get anything. You can buy, you know that combine? That's not too new of one, so that's probably only a quarter million dollars. Most of them, combines, you're talking upwards hundred, half a million. That sounded about right, Brother Graham? Somewhere in there? They're, they're insanely expensive. You can get the best combine money can buy GPS satellite linked drives itself less than 2% loss that's what the best ones do I watched the documentary you can get the very best farmer in the world to drive it but if you run it down a place where nobody has planted any seed guess what you're going to harvest nothing Nothing. Brother Cole said he went to a church. Pastor was so excited. Billy Cole was there. 
Billy Cole saw every miracle in the book of Acts, every single miracle. Saw it with his own eyes, had it happen. He's so excited, he said, Brother Cole's here, a hundred people are going to receive the Holy Ghost. There were only 50 people there. And they all had the Holy Ghost. So imagine Billy Cole as the combine. As good as it can get. But no one planted any seed. But you plant enough seed, anybody can harvest it. You plant enough seed, anybody can walk out and grab a few ears full. Church, you want a revival church? You want a place where lots of people are getting the Holy Ghost? Lots of people are getting miracles? Guess what it's going to take? It's going to take you getting involved in the harvest. It's going to take you seeing the big picture in the little picture. Seeing the harvest in the one. Stop looking at the bag. This church is a storehouse filled with so much potential, filled with so much power, just like this bag of seed. And it's easy to say, why don't that bag do something? Why doesn't the church do this? Why doesn't the church do that? But you realize all the power of this bag is in the individual seeds. And all the power in this church is in you. It's time to get our mind off of just all right grow and start to realize harvest takes a planter Paul said I planted Apollos watered God gave the increase so we plant we pray that's how you water we teach that's what praying what teaching watering and we watch as God turns it into a great harvest stand with me across this place come on I want you to lift your hands lift your voices with me Jesus 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 Oh, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Oh, yandolo koye te la la mandolo lobo yashakayet lobo yashay. Alama yashandolo kote la la ma yeshala. Alala ma yeshala loko la 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 ye. Come on, I want you, I need you to reach out to the Lord with me. Come on, I need you to reach out to the Lord with me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, and I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I'm going to show you something. I know this has gotten a little teachy and less preachy, but I'm going to show you something as the musicians and our praise team come. From Joel chapter 2, as our musicians and praise team come. There we go. Oh, they're there. Okay. 
Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, that's one, the former rain, that's two, and the latter rain, that's three, in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. Do you know where Israel you don't have to be born a Hebrew to be an Israelite now. You just have to be born again. And I am the Lord God, your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and young men shall see visions and also upon the servants and the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit do you know what the rains are this is all one Joel didn't write this with verses he wrote it as one the rain former rain comes to water seed that's already been planted the latter rain comes to water the harvest that's growing from that seeds previously planted the rain of God's spirit falls where seed has been planted do you hear me church the great promise of God is contingent upon seed being planted. He didn't say he's sending it to water the storehouse. He said, I'm sending it the rain that waters the seed that someone has taken the time to plant. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see lives changed. I want to see families put back together again. Oh, you want a good example? Jesus found the woman at the well, a sinner in the first degree. You know what happened when someone planted a seed and told the Fox family that Bonnie could be healed? You know who they were witnessing to? The strangers were violent drunks. According to my grandmother, who was in needs, the needs were worse. But Jesus came. Someone planted a seed, but Jesus made it grow. Someone planted a seed, someone watered it, but Jesus made it grow. See the harvest. When you're talking to the waiter, see the harvest 
when you're talking to the cashier. See the harvest when you're sitting across the table at the family get together. See the harvest in your neighbor. See the harvest when you're at work. See the harvest when you're at school. See the harvest. Open up your eyes. The fields are white and ready to harvest. Lift our hands and our voices to the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus.